Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome in to GC Live. Kendall Smith joined alongside of Wes Mitchell. Wes, I was bumping. I was about to say, you you liked that intro, didn't you, Kendall? I I wish people could have seen you. I was like, hands up in the air. I don't even care. I'm having a party today. It's a Monday, but the Gamecocks won, so everyone's in a great mood as we kick off this work week. But yeah, I haven't been on GC Live in a hot minute. It's been quite a while, so I haven't seen the new intro. So I guess that's bad because I'm admitting that I haven't watched GC Live. You know, here's the thing, Kendall. Um you, you used to watch, you used to hop into the comments, you used to randomly pop in. No no more for whatever reason. But you, you were giving me a little bit of uh, grief saying that you had not been on GC Live in a long time. And uh, I started to think about it. I was like, dang, for once in her life, Kendall is right. And um, then Chris said he couldn't do the show today. So I was like, you know what? This this makes sense. We'll We'll get Kendall in. And here we are, South Carolina, Mississippi State review show like we do every Monday. Gamecocks winning 37-30. As always, GC Live brought to you by Clint Hammond, Movement Mortgage, clinthammond.com, 803-771-6933. Kendall, maybe one day you move back to Columbia. Maybe one day we see you more than once every three months. And when you do, you'll call Clint Hammond like everyone else at 803 771 Six nine three three, and he will get you a great interest rate on a mortgage. So, 
Anyone else that's already ready to make the move, call Clint. Again, 803-771-6933. Yeah, we appreciate our great friend, Clint Hammond at Movement Mortgage. Hello, Greg. It's good to see you again. It's good to see everybody again. I was actually in Columbia this past weekend, got to ride on Wes Mitchell's coattails a little bit when it came to tailgating. I haven't done a tailgate, haven't done the full football experience since my freshman year of college. So back in 2019, that was the last time that I sat in the stands at williams Bryce Stadium. Got to do it this past weekend, watched South Carolina defeat Mississippi State by a final score of 37 to 30. And Wes, like you said, that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm here filling in for Chris Clark. I think he's in what? Nashville, Tennessee, just living his best life right now. I don't want to expose everything that Chris is doing, but he put it somewhere. So it's out there. I think that's right. Yeah, it's a known thing. So Chris is over in Nashville having a blast, but we're going to break down everything that went on this past weekend for South Carolina. I want to start broadly, Wes, and then we'll kind of get into the nitty gritty and the details of what happened against Mississippi State, but obviously a huge win for South Carolina. We hate to use the term must win, but you kind of feel like this game was a must win for South Carolina because you head into Tennessee This week, that's obviously a tough game. The dominoes could start falling in a bad way if you're the Gamecocks and you don't win against Mississippi State. So what were your overall thoughts on the Gamecocks win this past weekend, Wes? Yeah, I think definitely a a need to win, you know, and and obviously you have uh, no no fan wants to start one and three. And, you know, you can sit there and say, look, top 25 opponent in Charlotte against North Carolina – um, you know, that ended up being a tough matchup, I, I think, obviously, for South Carolina at Georgia, number one team in the country. That's tough. And then you sandwich in Furman. You know, you can kind of explain away those two losses. But I, I think a team you were favored against at home, capacity crowd, you know, you got parents everywhere, too, for Parents Weekend. Like, this was an opportunity to kind of showcase your program and frankly, you start looking at their schedule. There's so many difficult games on this uh, list, Kendall. I feel like you got to take advantage. Not that Mississippi State's some awful team. They're obviously an SEC team. They were up to the challenge to kind of hang with South Carolina for much of the night. And But you got to take advantage of those chances to, to kind of rack up wins. And, and South Carolina did that. I thought it was a little bit closer maybe than it even could have been. I don't know about you, Kendall, but watching the game, I felt like South Carolina was kind of like in control for most of the game, but then they just couldn't quite put Mississippi State away. Uh, you know, like they go up 14 to nothing right off the bat. And I'm like, if Mississippi State turns the ball over here and South Carolina gets the ball back like a, a big play, then they may just put them away and blow them out. Like I, I felt like they were teetering on the edge. But instead, Mississippi State hits one of their many deep passes in this game and cuts it to 14-7, bounce back. Ultimately, they tie it up 14-14. South Carolina then, you know, at some point, they go back up two scores, but Mississippi State ties it up again. It was like, it was all, you know, Mississippi State was never in control of the game, but South Carolina never put it away either. And so that meant Carolina had to execute in the second half. They had to go out and make some plays with a little bit of pressure on them sort of late in the game, and they did. So 
Beamer seemed pretty happy overall with the performance. I think he said it took some years off of his life. Uh, I think some Gamecock fans felt that way too. But you you take SEC wins where you can get them. You kind of reset things right now. You're two and two going into Tennessee once again. A game that this you know this time you're not the favorite. You were the favorite against Mississippi State, but also a, a winnable game. So we got all week to talk about Tennessee. But you look at these next few games in general: Tennessee, Florida, Missouri. They're all top 25 teams. So these are all toss-ups. These are all games you could win or lose, which made it really, really important to take care of Mississippi State on Saturday night in front of what was an awesome atmosphere. Wes, I agree with you. I feel like South Carolina did have control throughout most of the game. Obviously, you talked about it there, but Mississippi State was able to keep it close, obviously tie it up at certain points during the game. But – Being there myself, there was never really a moment where I was like, okay, I think that this is going to go downhill. I think South Carolina is going to give up this lead. I think that Mississippi State's going to take a lead. I never really felt that way for whatever reason. It just felt like South Carolina was leading the charge. And I think so much of that had to do with Spencer Rattler. This is something I got major, major heat for on Twitter from certain fan bases across the SEC and across the country. But I tweeted out after that game that Spencer Rattler is the best quarterback in the SEC. This is something we can get into, but I want to talk about his stats just a little bit here before you and I kind of dive deeper into what Spencer has done throughout the season and what he did last game, but he threw more touchdowns than incomplete passes in South Carolina's win over Mississippi State. So you've got that. And then in his last three home games, 73 of 84. So he's completed 86.9% of his passes, 1,081 yards, 12 touchdowns, no interceptions. Saw that tweet from Brad Crawford earlier today. It doesn't surprise me when I see those numbers. Obviously, you know Spencer's doing very well if you watch the Gamecocks, but those numbers are unbelievable. And Spencer played unbelievable on Saturday night. So want to get your thoughts on him and see if you kind of agree with me on the stance of if Spencer is the best quarterback right now in the SEC West. Kendall, so were the fan bases giving you trouble? Uh, Do they have orange in their Twitter headers? Like, were they... The Tennessee, Tennessee fans Clemson, love, or, or mainly Tennessee. So it wasn't a lot of Clemson fans. The Clemson fans did not like the other tweet that I put out where I just said South Carolina won today and Clemson lost today. Oh, well, I can see why fact, I probably wouldn't didn't like love that. that tweet, but they didn't respond really as much to my tweet about Spencer. It was some Tennessee fans that were not a big I, I I think you need to go back, Kendall, and quote tweet yourself and say, I said what I said because I stand on what I said. I do. Yes. Stand like Jaheim Bell, you need to stand on business yes. here. And so I was listening to Cole Kubelik's podcast on the way over to the radio station today. And I've recently discovered this. He actually has a very, very detailed SEC breakdown that he puts out every Sunday. And Cole was a sideline reporter for the South Carolina game this past weekend. 
and he will be in Tennessee this coming weekend. So he's kind of dialed in to South Carolina athletics, South Carolina football right now. And his take on there was, I'm not sure there's an SEC quarterback playing better than Spencer Rattler. And um, so he said, you know, he, he kind of went through the thought exercise, like you have Spencer, you have Jaden Daniels probably in the mix. You have, um, I think you meant, mentioned uh, Jackson Dart from Ole Miss, uh, at least going into this past weekend, uh, you know, before the Alabama game. There's one other guy he mentioned. I can't remember who he put into the conversation. But essentially, he has Spencer as being kind of the standard. Like you can maybe say there's somebody else up there with him, but there's not really anybody playing above Spencer Rattler right now. So that's not just your, you know, you just graduated from South Carolina, Homer take. Like I think it's that's – facts. It's facts. It's like – and, and it's been so consistent, Kendall. That th- this is how consistent Rattler has been this year. That he at one point, I think he got all the way up to 16 for 16 in the game. I know he was 13 for 13. I think it went all the way up to 16. And, in, you know, most quarterbacks, if they're 16 for 16, you'd be sitting there like, he hadn't missed it. For him, you're at th- the way he's playing right now, it was almost like expected because we we saw him do that against Furman where he racked up. I think he had one incompletion in his first however many throws. Georgia, he started eight for eight on the first drive. And then I can't remember, you know, 10 for 10, 11 for 11. You know, the Georgia's second half is the one, you know, he was under duress, getting hit, dropped passes. But if we're just talking about statistics, that's really the one half this year where the stats have not been on par with the rest of it. But, Kendall, every single half other than that, I mean, it was 30 for 39 against North Carolina when they were in his face all night long. So the the fact he can go, what was it, 16 of 18 um, on Saturday was his final line, right? I think he may have threw more than that. Oh, maybe so. I don't maybe know. A he didn't more. throw. He didn't throw many. I'll I'll check on that. No, uh, I agree. and we'll get into that later. But yeah, it wasn't much more than that. If it was more than that, we don't have the stat sheet right in front the, of us. The point being, is he's been so accurate all year long, and he's putting the ball where it needs to be. You're not even seeing. Um. Okay, I, I knew they'd help me out. 18, 18 for twenty. So, um, you're seeing him not put the ball in danger. So, you, you, know, you know how sometimes a quarterback, even if it's not an interception, you'll be like, oh, they got away with one right there. They got well, away with one right there. Does those stats too, right? And Spencer has not put a ball in danger in, you know, I don't think he did at all. On Obviously not on Saturday night against Mississippi State. He didn't against North Carolina either. Like The, people the two against Georgia court. were really – Right, right. And, you know, at that point in the game, it's a different situation. But even against North Carolina, the PFF advanced stats where you're looking at, you know, how many times did Spencer Rattler put the ball in danger of potentially being intercepted? And he didn't. And he didn't this past weekend against Mississippi State. And, you know, I think those two incompletions from Spencer Rattler, again, one of them, I think there could have been a pass interference call on. And then the other one, it's not like he's overthrowing guys or underthrowing guys or way off the mark. Like he's putting these balls in positions where they can be caught. And 
I feel like that is super telling of just how consistent Spencer Rattler has been throughout this entire year. We're going to get into talking about Mario Anderson in just a second. But before we move on from Spencer, this is a question I think some people in the Gamecock fan base are asking Wes. They're seeing a lot of names thrown out there as to who is going to be in the Heisman conversation. You hear the same old names, right? Caleb Williams, Drake May. Spencer Rattler hasn't been mentioned probably as much as Gamecock fans would like to hear it. Want to get your thoughts on that and whether or not you think it's fair, Wes, at this point to have Spencer Rattler in the conversation? And if not, what does he need to do or what needs to happen to get him there? You know, and I, I just, uh, while you were talking, I tried to pull up some Heisman odds. The The leaders here are, are still really the same people that you would expect. Uh, you know, Caleb Williams, still the odds-on favorite, along with Michael Penix Jr. from Washington. Um, Rattler, from what I can see, still nowhere to be found. Um you know, his numbers, Kendall, are up there with anybody. And I kind of feel like word is starting to get out a little bit about what Spencer is doing in Columbia because I think people started to kind of write him off last year with the way the first half, first two-thirds of the season went. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like there was quite a bit, at least outside of Columbia, of, oh, he had a few – great games like he got hot had a few great games um I I think people that watch this team on the regular like we do and the fans in here they're seeing that he's really done a lot of the same things we saw him do against Tennessee against Clemson now multiple games in a row so you know I I know it's kind of common for coaches to be like hey I'll take my guy over anybody out there which we've Mm -hmm. seen Beamer say that about Rattler. Who, I mean, which quarterbacks would you truly take over Spencer Rattler in the entire country right now? Um, you know, ironically, it's Caleb Williams, who's also from Oklahoma. We know about, you know, the past between those two guys. But, I mean, Spencer is playing as well as any quarterback out there, in my opinion. So, I think to get into that race, to actually be in the conversation – you're going to have to have some more big South Carolina wins. Like if they kind of stay on this pace right now, they're two and two and they're kind of fighting for six wins, seven wins, even with the big numbers, it's going to be hard to do. I I think you could have the same numbers if you're Spencer Rattler and you go to Knoxville and beat those guys again, you know, beat even Florida, not like a national program right now, but they're top 25. You face three top 25 teams in the next three weeks, but they're kind of beatable top 25 teams, in my opinion. They're not like elite teams right now. So I I think the numbers are going to be there, Kendall. Like he consistently has completed a bunch of passes, put up a bunch of yards. It hasn't been just short passes. You see the the long ball to Leggett to start the second half. Um, The numbers are going to be there. It's going to be very difficult for him to come this far behind and get even into the real Heisman conversation. But he's also going to need some of these other guys that are that are the odds-on favorites to kind of fall off a little bit as well. But 
Hey, here's here's the real question. I feel like if Rattler was doing last year what he's doing right now, when he came in, he came into the year last year and still had a good bit of hype around him. I feel like so a, a lot. A lot of this is just kind of like too when preseason polls affect where a team is ranked, even if they haven't done anything yet. Yeah. In his case, the fact that he hasn't been talked about as much in the preseason probably affecting his ability to to be in a potential Heisman conversation. Well, and it is the fact that South Carolina is two and two, right? Like that just plays into the equation, as you mentioned, if South Carolina was four and oh, even if they were three and one, I think there's a different perception surrounding Spencer Rattler and what he's been able to do for South Carolina, but obviously they got exposed a little bit in week one against UNC and then going into Georgia, they kept it close. They were obviously up for a period of time and then, you know, things didn't finish out the way that South Carolina would have liked for them to. But I think that that also plays into it as well. Like if Spencer Rattler is a quarterback of a team with these numbers, that's four and zero or even three and one, he's probably having his name thrown out there, at least by some people for the Heisman conversation Obviously, winning a Heisman is not everything. I think South Carolina fans are a little bit more interested in the Gamecocks continuing to win games, but it would be really nice to have your quarterback win the most prestigious award in all of college football. So we'll see how things continue to shape out for South Carolina this year. want to talk a little bit about Xavier Leggett. We thought this year it was going to be the Spencer Rattler to Juice Wells connection, obviously, Juice has been plagued by some injuries, unfortunately, to start off the season. But Xavier freaking Leggett is unbelievable. One of the best receivers, in my opinion, right now in college football. The catches he is making are superhuman, insane, unreal, crazy. Wes, what do you got on Xavier Leggett and what he's been able to do for the Gamecocks? Yeah, I mean, Kendall, it's one of those things. You hear about a guy and a great offseason he's having in terms of Leggett, but you never quite know how that's going to translate into the real games. And, you know, for Leggett, you go back. Look, you know, a lot of people remember the SC State game last year, which I thought was kind of the the turning point for him to the negative side and just being able to kind of battle back from maybe that affecting your confidence. and. He's kept pushing, kept, uh, you know, kind of stayed the course, had a huge finish to last year. Everybody remembers the great catch in the Gator Bowl and uh, really just built off of that and has busted his tail all offseason. I mean, this is a dude that's been through so much, uh, you know, has lost both of his parents at a young age, has, um, you know, had to battle through stuff like that, and now is sitting there, I mean, literally is leading the country in uh, receiving yards and I think is working his way just flying up the draft boards and yes it's it's a little uh, emoji that everybody overuses the moon yes to the moon emoji the stock up emoji the rocket Uh, (laughs) yes rocket ship for Leggett has uh has left the atmosphere I feel like like he is um he's awesome and I think we all knew he was fast, but when he ran away from Mississippi State's defense on the first drive on that catch and run over the middle, I mean, just seeing a dude that big 
move that fast against an SEC defense where he's just running away from them. Um, even the announcers, if y'all go back, if you were at the game, go back and listen to the call of that. They're, they're literally just like, oh, my God. Like, this guy just exploded out of, uh, out of his stance. And so, you know, I, I think for him – the the team or the uh, the NFL teams, they're gonna say, all right, he's got the size, he's gonna run well, he's making plays down the field as far as jump balls. You're seeing him make plays, run after the catch. What what negatives are there to his game? You know, he can kind of do it all. They're even using him in the backfield a little bit or in jet sweeps and stuff like that. So, I um, I mean, I think he's a top three round pick right now. And that that's probably conservative based on what he's doing. I, I think like I am, am I going too far to say he could be a first round pick? I don't know. I've I feel like I haven't heard that quite yet from like the people who do draft boards and stuff. But with our eyes, what we're mm-hmm. seeing, he looks like somebody who should be in the first round conversation. Yeah, I agree one hundred percent. And I think if he continues to play the way that he's been playing, that's going to be a no brainer. And he's been just, I have so much credit to give to Xavier Leggett because I think so much of the conversation coming into the season, like I already said, was Juice Wells, Juice Wells, Juice Wells. And of course we know Juice Wells, very, very talented, very good at what he does. But now that he hasn't really been contributing in the way that South Carolina imagined him contributing because of the injuries that he's been facing, it's the next guy up mentality. And not that, you know, it was ever like, oh, Juice Wells is here and well, it gets down here. It was never like that. But XL has just stepped up in ways that I think people were not expecting this season. He's been so much fun to watch, lightning fast, just been phenomenal for South Carolina. Very excited to see what he continues to do. Yes, Wes, you got something? I have, uh, have some information to provide to the people. Okay. Here on uh, GC Live. So, continuing with my theory, Kendall, that the depth chart you see. So, South Carolina just put out their new depth chart um, literally seconds ago. So, my theory, because everybody looks at the depth chart, they say, why aren't there any changes on the depth chart going into a week? Well, the depth chart you're seeing South Carolina put out is actually what you saw the week before. So the depth chart that comes out on Monday is a representation for what we saw on the field this past Saturday. And um, so not surprising, couple of changes. Running back position now listed as Mario Anderson or the carry-on Joiner. So obviously Joiner got the start this past week, but Anderson ended up playing more. Um, so Mario Ju- Gonna get the start this week. I would. I, say. I, I'm gonna go out on the limb and say probably. Obviously, I'm not the coaches, so I don't know for a fact. But when you're getting that or and it's a recent change, you can kind of bet that that newer guy in there will probably get the start. Go ahead, Wes. They actually did not list. Um, did not list Juice on the depth chart this week. Um, Omega Blake. Marion Brown, Xavier Leggett, obviously, starter at wide receiver. Um, offensive line, right guard now listed as Ja'Kai Moore or Ball. Made last week on the depth chart or not, because I'm not looking at it. Um, 
Tyshawn Wanamaker or Sidney Fugar listed as right tackle. I think for the most part, everything else remains the same. But I, I know our people watching and listening like to know what the depth chart says. So once I, I saw that just came out, wanted to provide the people with the latest information there, Kendall. He is a breaking news reporter, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Wes Mitchell, for your contributions. We appreciate well, they, it. They sent it to me, so it's not. <laughs> He's reading you the information as the true journalist that he is. But in all seriousness, Wes, it is interesting because, you know, you just talked about it there, and it's a great segue into the running back situation. Mario Anderson, I was so impressed with him this weekend. He's a workhorse back there. Like he is gritty. He is working for every extra yard for South Carolina. He's one of those guys that pushes his way, his way into the situation. And, and he, you know, did really well this past weekend. So I would imagine that this week he'll probably get the start for South Carolina. Again, it said to carry and joiner or Mario Anderson. Again, usually when you have that or situation and it's a new guy being thrown in there on the depth chart, then it's probably going to be the newer person in this case, that would be Mario Anderson. So Wes, how do you think Mario did against Mississippi state this past weekend? Yeah, you know, and I, I think if we're going to talk about Mario, we got to talk O-line as well. Um, you know, I thought it was one of their better games, certainly in the running game. I thought they protected Spencer pretty well too, for the most part. And it felt to me like South Carolina said, we are going to work on our running game today. And um, and, and that's that. Like, th this is our goal, is to uh, sort of bring along the running game. I think they probably could have even scored more points if they had just put the game on Rattler. There's a lot of first down runs. There were, there were people, I don't know about where you were sitting, Kendall, but where I was sitting, there's people around me, throw the ball, throw the ball, yes. throw the ball. And... Um, I kept my mouth shut, but I wanted to turn around and say they are clearly trying to work on the running game because they know they have got to develop some semblance of a rushing attack if they're going to be the team they want to be this year. And so I I think they probably had a – I think it was a big picture game plan as opposed to a just win this game game plan. I thought Georgia was more of a – hey, we got to do everything we can to try to knock off the defending two-time champ. This game, I felt like, was we feel like we're going to win the game. We've got to work on some things. Much like, go back to the Furman game, they were only up 20 when they went ahead and started putting people in off the bench, and there were people going, wow, they're pulling Rattler already? And I think it's because they knew they need to work some of these other guys in. They needed to build depth. So, to me, and then you hear – you hear Beamer say in the post game, like, hey, we had, we cut our run game down to about five plays. We wanted to just rep them and work them. Now, that can sometimes get you beat. There's a couple of times the game got tight again. And I was kind of, you know, I'm kind of like, all right, you know, right. you can work on these things, but you also have to go win the game. But I, I thought there was a huge amount of trust from Beamer with with his team, like a huge amount of trust in his team that they were going to execute and get the job done. Mario Anderson obviously brought just a little additional element to that. Even with that said, Kendall, I thought there were a couple of runs where he tripped and mm -hmm. he probably could have tacked on another 35 yards maybe to 
to his total, to his tally there. But this was a good starting point for progress from the offensive line. I think Big Tree has been really good. Trovon Ball got to play a bunch. Garjulo um, has been great this year, really. And uh, so I think you're seeing progress. And we, we talked about Spencer Rattler for about 20 minutes earlier. So take, take what Spencer has done, what Leggett has done, and just imagine if they can bring along the running game just incrementally. Yeah. And then maybe even if you get Juice back in there at some point too. And, you know, and this without a Marion Brown too, who I think is an underrated aspect to all this. So you can kind of see what they're going for. Keep building the running game. It doesn't have to be great, but it can't be nothing like it was against UNC in Georgia. It's got to just come along a little bit. So I think that was the goal on Saturday. I think progress was made. And what what a celebration on that nine-yard toss play run into the end zone where they scored the touchdown that put them up by 10. Like, I felt like that was just a cool moment for an offensive line and running back who has kind of just been try, almost like trying to break through the wall um, for most of the season. Yeah, I think, you know, it's good if you're South Carolina because last year we were both in this together. We both covered South Carolina as we are this year. And it was a lot of the same stuff that we talked about week after week after week. You're talking about the play calling, talking about the offensive line. Of course, we're going to talk about the offensive line every week. We're going to talk about Spencer Rattler every week. But what I'm saying is last year it was like, all right, it's the same thing every week and it's the same problems that we're talking about and we're not seeing much improvement. We didn't see that improvement until the Tennessee game and then obviously the Clemson game, so on and so forth. This year, I feel like you are seeing improvements from week to week with the offensive line. And South Carolina was exposed against UNC in that first game of the season. They know they had to do something about it, so they've done something about it. And you're seeing those tangible, visible, okay, this is getting better. And that's really encouraging if you're a South Carolina fan. Trevon Ball has been great. Tree Babalade has been fantastic. Those are two true freshman players for South Carolina. First experience playing in the SEC, and they are playing far above expectations. They're doing a fantastic job. So you have to tip your cap to those two. I think the offensive line as a whole has gotten so much better over these last couple of weeks, and that's really, really good. Now, from my perspective, I, you know, know what Shane Beamer is saying, right? Like you need to establish a run game. You need to make sure that that's squared away. You're feeling confident about it as you head into these next few weeks because your opponents are not getting any easier if you're the Gamecocks. What I don't understand, and I think some people might agree with this, Spencer Rattler threw the ball 20 times. And yes, you need to establish your run game. But I also think that you should put maybe a little bit more of that game, especially when it's tight on the shoulders of your five-star quarterback who has been phenomenal over these past few weeks. Wes, agree, disagree? I know we already talked about it a little bit. Again, you want to wrap it out with the run game, but maybe a little bit more for Spencer Rattler. Do you feel like he maybe didn't throw as much as you would have liked to have seen against Mississippi State? So what I'm hearing, Kendall, is you were one of those people yelling, throw the ball, (laughs) 
from the stands too. That's exactly. You I know, noticed she, that like one time. No. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. I, said, all right. I felt like South Carolina was in control throughout that game, no matter what the score was, whether it was tied, whether they were up. I was like, I think they're going to win this game. I wasn't ever freaking out about it, but there were times where I was like, I feel like Spencer hasn't thrown the ball that much. And in a tighter yeah. game like this, I, again, I'm not a football coach. I'm not claiming to be a football coach. I'm not going to be a couch coach. I would just like to hear your thoughts, Wes. Do you feel like maybe they didn't utilize Spencer and his abilities as a five-star quarterback, knowing how talented he is, and that maybe it was a little bit more running focused than you would have personally liked? This is just an opinion question, and sound off in the comments. Let us know what you think. Yeah, no, I think, honestly, I think they probably would have put up more points if they had put it a little more on seven, you know, put it on his shoulders. There are a couple of first down runs where I was like, you know, all right, guys, let's um, let's throw the ball on first down and then come back to the running game a, a little bit as, as efficient as Spencer was. You know, there – I felt like there was very little chance of putting yourself in a second and 10. Like he was completing so many passes. You were probably going to get something positive on first down and then come back to the run. But I, I think there's two different conversations here for to, to maybe put up more points in this game. Yeah. You probably put it on seven, but I, I really truly believe they, they felt like they were going to win the game. I think they felt like they were in control. And I think they wanted to develop – Travis uh, called it earlier. Um, I thought it was a good way of saying it. He said running the ball is an attitude. I think they just said we're going to try to establish this attitude. And I think the hope, Kendall, is maybe this is something that helps you next week, that helps you the week after, that you can right. lean on moving forward. Now, if they had gotten behind at any point in this game, I think all bets are off. It's, it's back to the 7-17 seven and 17 show. And you can debate the – I in a perfect world, you go ahead and get up by three scores, hopefully, and then yeah. you just kind of work on all that. But um, I will say this also, schematically, Mississippi State, they were playing their safeties back, trying mm -hmm. to keep everything – if you listen to the, the TV copy too – um, Greg McElroy was talking about this. They're they're playing zone. They're keeping their guys back. They're almost daring South Carolina to run the ball, and they still honestly, Kendall, the running game was better. It wasn't it wasn't what you want to see. I mean, I, and again, I'm not sitting here saying like, but, well, South Carolina should never run the ball. Put it all on. But it, it, it wasn't. It wasn't what you need it to right. be. I, like the longest run by a running back by Mario Anderson was nine yards. Um, so, you know, Spencer had a couple of, uh, of explosive runs, but it's still, it's still a, what's the, I mean, work in progress is what Dow Loggins has called it in the past. I think it's still very much a work in progress, but at least there was some progress and it's not the lack of progress. And uh, I don't know if you caught this Beamer said, they had no negative runs mm -hmm. in the running game. So I, I thought that was that was progress as well because you know what Rattler can do. So just not putting him in second and 13, 
you know, it is that's a huge win. Like second and ten is obviously not ideal, but avoiding being right. in second and thirteen, third and fifteen, all those things, you know, it, it is a big deal as well. So I'll be very curious to see moving forward how um how they kind of operate this offense. I, I think like next week at Tennessee, it, it probably shifts back to being a little bit more on Spencer Rattler where you're gonna throw the ball more. But but maybe in a perfect world, Kendall, there's some balance between mm-hmm. the the heavy run shift we saw this past week and the you know the North Carolina Georgia just you gotta throw it every single time to have a chance. Um thing I, I saw a stat from uh this guy um Stato War Parker Fleming on Twitter and it goes like very deep but going into this game basically South Carolina runs the ball more or throws the ball more not just by total number but in the in a situation let's so let's say let's say it's third and two mm-hmm. who what how you know by statistics, how many times does an average team run or throw in that position? Whether it, or you know, if it's first and ten, what's the percentages of run versus throw? Well, South Carolina is skewed towards the pass, yeah, more than every team, but I think eight other teams in the country. So going into this game, so they're throwing it more in like every situation than anybody. So I think they're kind of trying to ease it back in to find balance. some some level of balance. So, yeah. But ultimately, it's going to be – if they're going to win these coming games against top 25 opponents, make no mistake, I think it, it's going to be on the shoulders of Spencer Rattler. Yeah, and like you said, in a perfect world, you do find that balance if you're South Carolina. But, you know, you see what Shane Beamer is saying. You want to wrap it out with the run game and – that was an opportunity to do it. I think for some people, they might have seen the score and thought, okay, this is a little close, a little too close for comfort. Maybe we want to put this on Spencer Rattler just a little bit more, especially considering he was so hot on Saturday night and so consistent, was hardly you know missing a pass. So I think that was the question for, for some people. But as we continue to get into the coming weeks, you have to have that balance if you're going to continue to win in the sec i think that rounds it out for offense let's switch it out to defense unless you have any final thoughts but before we do west we want to give a little shout out to one of our lovely sponsors here on gc live yeah our friends at bird dogs go to birddogs.com slash gamecock central and or excuse me slash gamecocks so that would be gamecock central would be cool too but slash gamecocks um Bird Dogs, a fairly new sponsor here on GC Live, but Kendall, they have the best feeling, most comfortable polo shirts that I have literally ever worn. So check them out. They're known for their shorts, which uh, they've got the shorts that have like a gym short liner, but they're khakis on the outside. Um, So that's what they're known for. Those are cool too. Love those. But I'm telling y'all, something about these – this polo shirts they have are just, I don't know, it's off the charts. Go to birddogs.com, use the promo code GAMECOCKS, and right now you're going to get, if you make a purchase, you're going to get a free hydro-style, um, hydro-flask-style water bottle. 
How about that? So use promo code Gamecocks and shout out to Bird Dogs for being a supporting sponsor here on GC Live and also a supporting sponsor of several other podcasts on the On3 network. Uh, But Kendall, you want to talk some defense now? Let's talk some defense. Huge shout out to Bird Dogs. It seems like some people in the comment section like them as well. So I'm going to keep that in mind. Early Christmas present thoughts for my brother, for my dad, because you can never get too ahead on that. I am the one on December 22nd running to the mall. I have no idea what I'm doing, no idea what I'm getting. I'm just throwing stuff together at the last minute. So thank you for that idea. And thank you to Bird Dogs for being a supporting sponsor here on GC Live. But want to talk about defense a little bit here, Wes. Obviously, we spent about 40 minutes talking about the offense for South Carolina. It's so easy when you have so much to talk about. But I think the the main thing I kind of came away with from the defense this past weekend is that when Mississippi State scored, when Mississippi State had their big moments on offense, it's not like they were sustaining these drives where they were like slowly, slowly going down the field and you're like, all right, like they're chipping away at it. It was these long balls, these explosive plays, these deep passes that Mississippi State was calling and completing. And that's ultimately what led to a lot of their scores. And I think that kind of brings up a question with the secondary for South Carolina, maybe a little bit of a cause for concern. Where is your concern level with that, Wes, especially after what we saw giving up a couple of those deep balls this past weekend, which you just cannot continue to have in SEC play if you're South Carolina? Yeah, you know, I think it is a concern. I I do think some of this is fixable. I thought five for Mississippi State. I mean, uh, that new a single game record for Mississippi State. He he was (laughs) impressive, but he guy was fast. Kendall, that dude was hauling. I if I was Mississippi State, I would have thrown the ball to that guy fifteen times. Like I promise you, if Steve Spurrier was running that offense, um, that dude would have. That dude would have set the record for targets towards him as well because they would have just been firing it at him over and over and over. I would never have gone away from him because he was really the one guy that South Carolina just did not have an answer for. We can't, you know, I think it's one of those things almost like when you talk about a scrimmage, uh, you know, offense did well, but the defense did bad. Who, you know, I was like, man, the defense stopped the run better than we have seen them stop mm-hmm. the run. Honestly, I feel like in three years, like it was like Mississippi state got nothing out of the running game. And that was my concern coming in. Woody Marks, Mississippi state's running back. He's really good. Um, was the sec's leading rusher through three games coming in and Mississippi state has kind of prided themselves on running the football. So if you had asked me like, you know, leading into the game, how's this thing going to play out? I thought Spencer Rattler would have a big game, and I thought Mississippi State would try to run the football, limit possessions, sort of run the clock, and and try to kind of eke one out. Well, they went back to the leech, throw the ball almost 50 times days. And, um, you know, Will Rogers, I thought, looked really good. He looked comfortable. He, He was completing passes. They looked much more on the same page in the passing game than they had been prior, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. leading into this game. So, yeah, I don't think you can completely gloss over it if you're South Carolina either and just say that's not an issue. Anytime a team is hitting that many deep passes on you, 
you know, that that is an issue. That's a problem. You got to go back and adjust. And I, I do think when you look at, you know, I mean, everybody saw it. Five got the better of DQ Smith several times in coverage. Sometimes that's because a safety is supposed to be over top and they're not there. Sometimes that's just a one-on-one win. I do think Carolina is missing the depth that they had at cornerback last year because if you look at last season when they faced like Tennessee, a team that had really quick receivers and and slot receivers that can make you miss like five did, they would slide Cam Smith over to the nickelback spot and play three cornerbacks. Well, this year they really don't, I guess, have that guy yet that they feel comfortable putting an additional cornerback on the field that doesn't get their best 11 out there necessarily. But I think moving forward, as they keep bringing on these young corners, I do wonder, do you see them have some different packages where you get more of a corner as opposed to a safety at that nickelback spot? Because number five was lining up as a slot receiver. Your nickelback is always going to be on top of that guy um, covering him. So that's something other other teams are going to look to do the same, frankly, mm-hmm. Kendall, if South Carolina does not clean that up a, a little bit. So I think it is a concern, but also correctable, you know, for, for the most part, in my opinion. Well, and like, you know, some of these comments are saying South Carolina was finally able to stop the run. That's something that we have harped on time after time after time on GC Live, on Gamecock Central, on 107.5 The Game. We've talked about South Carolina and stopping the run. That has been an issue for South Carolina for quite some time now. You saw drastic improvements this past weekend. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like you might, you know, take your chances and you're like, all right, we're going to line up to really have our best opportunity to stop the run here against Mississippi State and take our chances on the deep ball and kind of see what happens. And I think that's what South Carolina did this past weekend. Obviously, just very, very pleasing for so many Gamecock fans because you are seeing the defense step up, stop the run this past week. And they have to continue to do that, obviously, through SEC play. But who are some of those guys on defense, West that you were the most impressed with after this weekend? Yeah, you know, I thought there were several. Uh, let's show Let's throw a shout-out to Boogie Huntley. Um, Spencer Rattler and Boogie Huntley both taking home SEC honors this week. That's one week after, let's see, T.J. Sanders – Got SEC Defensive Lineman of the Week last week. Rattler, I think, got SEC Offensive Player of the Week the week before. And so this week, Rattler gets co-SEC Offensive Player of the Week. Uh, Boogie gets Defensive Lineman of the Week. And, you know, so Boogie I thought was great. T.J. Sanders continues to make plays. Jordan Strong with the big um, force fumble there on the sack. I thought that Strong started to look like the guy – that he was pre-injury, honestly. Um, let's see who else. I thought Marcellus Dial, actually, for, for them to – as many passes they hit, it wasn't necessarily against the corners for most of the night. I thought both corners held up pretty well. And if we're going to – you know, I think some people were kind of hard on Stone Blanton for his performance at Georgia. So – if we're going to bring that energy there, I think we got to bring the same energy to say Stone had one of his better games at South Carolina 
against Mississippi State was all over the place, making plays. He had a huge force fumble that could have really changed the game. Um, when Mississippi State had the ball down all about the score, Mississippi State recovered it. South Carolina nearly did. Uh, but it was a beautiful force fumble. So I, I thought Stone, Stone Blanton really had a great game, Kendall. And overall, there were some things to like about the defensive effort if you can just clean up some of those deep balls. And, um, you know, I, I think for them, just seeing them stop the run the way they did is something you can build from moving forward, uh, you know, and we'll see how they do that. I want to see more of, of JT Gear. He made his debut. He only played about seven snaps because he's still, uh, you know, I think he kind of tweaked his um, whatever that that injury is, foot, ankle, leg, whatever it is. But in his little bit of time in there, he batted a pass down, looked kind of disruptive. I uh, I think Gear, if he could get 100%, could, could help this team as well. Um, so, yeah, several guys played well. David Spalding didn't play a bunch of snaps, but he obviously had the interception that was huge as well. Yeah, and so many of the names, you know, that we've brought up throughout our show today, whether it's Tree Babalade or Trovon Ball or Stone Blanton, you saw Judge Collier in there as well from time to time. Like, these are such young players, Wes, and I think that's a hard thing to remember, and it's kind of a a hard thing to use as an excuse. And, of course, you don't want to use anything as an excuse, but you think about these guys, and they have – you know, little to no experience playing in the SEC and playing at South Carolina, and they're being put out there in these big-time situations. And I think the way that a lot of them have responded has been very impressive. Obviously, there are things to clean up in every aspect of South Carolina's game, and quite frankly, in every aspect of every team's game across the country right now, you're still very early on in the season. But you have to be proud of the way that a lot of these younger guys have stepped up to the plate and performed for South Carolina so far because it's – really not easy and we don't want to sit here you know if South Carolina loses the game and say oh remember a lot of these players are young like you don't want to put everything on that but that's something you do have to consider as you continue to watch South Carolina play but we're getting to the hour mark here Wes want to finish off with a couple of questions for you maybe not so much about this past weekend but just about the football world in general so South Carolina taking on Tennessee this I have weekend, no idea where she's going with this, by in the way. So. Top, he really has no idea. What are the odds, Wes? Let's hope this doesn't happen because I'll be on the sidelines and I'll be running for my life. That mustard bottles, golf balls, <laughs> any kind of item is flying from the stands onto the field because there is major beef between South Carolina and Tennessee, specifically on the Tennessee side. We already talked about it on Twitter. The Tennessee fans love to go full force at my account, Wes's account, Mike Yuba's account, like you name it. They're all in on that. So I know that they're out for blood. They're not happy about what happened last year. Do you think we'll be safe from any of the food items or golf balls or whatever flying from the stands? (laughs) Unless Lane Kiffin joins this staff, between now and Saturday, I I think you're going to be fine, Kendall. Maybe maybe take your umbrella to the sideline just in case so that if golf balls start flying, you can get under the umbrella. But, no, I, I think you're fine. I think you're good. The uh, I'm, I'm going to hope that Vol's Twitter does not 
represent all of all of Tennessee, especially that there's that one guy on there that I'm not even going to give his name uh, the hype. There's that one guy that literally responds to every Gamecock. He has our notifications on. We live rent-free in this guy's head. He loves that's us. That's got to be a bot or something, but I think it's a real person. No, it's know. a real person. And I don't know how there's time on the planet. Like, there's not enough time in a day to respond to every tweet, but this this guy finds a way. So, um, I don't know. I'm scared, guys. Like, I'm scared. The last time I was at Tennessee was before the Ole Miss mishap, right? And so, I wasn't concerned at all. Now, I'm on the sidelines fine. this upcoming weekend. I'm just putting it out there into the world. I'm saying that I'm going to try to avoid it at all costs. My friend, my college roommate is an engineer, so maybe I'll just take her hard hat with me and call it a day and walk around there. No, I think I could go viral. That That would probably make ESPN. Girl, random girl walks around in a hard hat. Speaking of things that are going viral, my second question for you, Wes, completely off the topic of South Carolina football in every way, shape, and form. You know where I'm going with this. This, I I have a clue on this one. This has been the talk of the football world all weekends long. If you know who Alex Earl is, you know Braxton Berrios. They are not even the talk anymore, which is saying something. Taylor Swift was in Kansas City yesterday for the Chiefs game against the Bears Sitting in a suite with Donna Kelsey, she was there to watch Travis Kelsey. Now, anybody watching, I know this is a Gamecocks podcast, but we have to keep up with what's going on in the world of football. Is it legit or is it a publicity stunt? Sound off, Wes. Let us know. Okay. All right. Um, let, let me first of all, let me, let, me just admit, let me just admit something here real quick, Kendall. We like, we like to keep it real here, right? Yes. I'm just going to admit. I and I I do not care about pop culture, <laughs> celebrities. Don't get starstruck. Don't could not care less about that stuff. But I do listen to the Kelsey Brothers podcast in the car. New Heights. And do I? New Heights, isn't that the name yes. of it? Yes. And it is um it is fantastic. So I'm I'm kind of here for it with the Kelsey brothers in the first place. And so I gotta admit, I've been a little curious to know is it is it true or not? Is it real? Um I I think I think it's real. I don't think it's publicity stunt. I don't think Taylor Swift has to the the NF, she doesn't need the NFL crossover audience. Like she's already the most popular artist in the world world right now right um yeah i think so so i don't know i don't know i was some, just some curious. people don't appreciate our conversation right yeah, now but that's fine. guess guess what guess everyone what? We, got, hold on, we got an hour we got an hour gc live today we got an hour gc live tuesday we got an hour gc live wednesday we got an hour so we'll do seven hours of football this week um we're at the end of the show so we're going to talk about the biggest story in sports. It's the it biggest is. story in sports. Like it, hate it, love Taylor Swift, love Travis Kelsey, hate him. Doesn't matter. It's the biggest I'm just, story. I, I respect the game. The fact that Travis Kelsey shot his shot is pretty, I mean, it's pretty cool. And hey, I feel like 
I feel like the sports world are kind of like if you're a football fan, you can even sit there and say, I'm not interested. Most guys that I know are still talking about this. And most of most of them are literally like, also oh, my wife or my girlfriend is talking about Taylor Swift now. But they're they're interested too. Yeah, I think everyone on every level is interested. I mean, my friends, my roommates in college, I used to say like, you know, all the things that they would say. <laughs> Thank you, Jamie. We appreciate it. Um, but I used to, you know, say all the things that they would say about football. My one roommate thought that a field down was worth four points. Like, this is a group of gals that knew nothing about sports. However, they did know that Taylor Swift was at the Chiefs game yesterday to watch Travis Kelsey. And he did shoot a shot and she was there. And I think it's hilarious and great and awesome. And it, you know, brings more fans to the sport of football, if anything. You are continuing to grow the brand. Not that football doesn't already have millions and millions and millions and millions of fans, but you're bringing in people like my roommates who otherwise would never watch a football game. Not that anybody cares. Obviously, we have some people on here that are really uh, hating this conversation, but we're, we're just bringing it up for five minutes, guys. Just five minutes. Enlighten us. Let us discuss the topic. It's it's not going to make or break anybody's day. It's really not. Yeah, we we can we can move on, Kendall. But I will say, um, I won't even say Wyatt, the name. But Wyatt is. Yeah. Look what he said. My wife went from a Bengals fan to kind of liking the Chiefs. The uh, he said I've literally never heard a guy talk about Taylor Swift. Then you need to talk to more people because honestly, I was at tailgates on Saturday, and was it was brought up by multiple different groups of people. Um, and then Sunday I was with a group of literally 10 guys and it got brought up and it was a topic of discussion. So it's one of those things where you either are loving it or you're loving to hate it. Like either way, there's a reaction as, uh, as we can tell, but anyway, we'll put the conversation to bed. Don't worry, we got GC Live throughout the rest of the whole week talking all things Gamecocks. And if that isn't enough, we have plenty of Gamecocks coverage over on GamecocksCentral.com on all of our social medias at GamecocksCentral. So be sure to keep up with all of it and also keep up with your taxes because don't wait till the last minute. Wes, what you got? Kendall, um, you know, you're going to have to do your taxes this year. Um, you're, you're out of college. You're going to have to handle this and you need to call our friends at Liberty Tax, uh, 803-462-5576. Um, if you're a small business owner, you definitely need to make sure you have a good tax plan. Larry and his tax team have serviced the Midlands for over 15 years now. They're locally owned and operated with a staff of tax professionals that are also probably your neighbors if you live here in the Columbia area. They're trusted locally. They're respected nationally. And guess what? Larry is a massive Gamecock fan as well. So, Kendall, I always like the idea of Gamecock fans supporting other Gamecock fans. And so, hey, if you are a uh, if you're looking for someone to do your taxes, someone new, give Larry and his team a call. 803-462-5576. Not to be confused with Larry the Legend, Wes's dog, but yes, we do love Larry at our friends. What? 
What Larry. just happened to our graphics? Our graphics went away. You were giving a face. But Wes's dog's name is Larry. He's the best. Um, really quick before we leave, just saw a comment about South Carolina getting a ton of 7 o'clock, 7.30 kicks. Like, we know how this has gone. It's been a thing in the Shane Beamer era. Obviously, for today, South Carolina isn't going to get a game time for next week because they have a bye. What are the odds that South Carolina gets a night game against Florida? I'm saying 90%. 90% chance. I'm I'm hoping. I like the night games. We'll see. Who, do, who does Florida have this week, Kendall? Do you know off the top of your head? Florida has. I don't know off the top of my head, but I can give you a little. They've had three home games in a row, and this week they finally play on the road against Kentucky. Okay. So I think it'll be a night game, but that's just because every game is a night game. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it, it's that's the trend, right, for South Carolina. So I, I hope a crazy so. number we'll like nineteen games or something in the Beamer era have been at night. I don't know. I I don't have the exact number, but I read it and I was like, that's astounding. But it makes sense. Basically, every game last year seemed to be at night, and even the one game that was supposed to be at noon where it got changed because of the hurricane to a Thursday night, ended up being, ended a, night. Up being a night game too. Yeah. yeah. If um, I think it will somewhat de- be dependent on Florida, Kentucky and South Carolina, Tennessee as well. Yeah. We'll so. see how the cookie crumbles, but I always find it interesting because every week Monday rolls around and you see on Gamecock football's Twitter, 7.30 kickoff, 7.30 kickoff. When I was working every single game, 7.30 games are tough because you're there till like 2 a.m so i'll be at tennessee stadium until 2 a.m this saturday but hopefully it'll be super fun because south carolina will pull out the win obviously they're the underdogs right now but on gc live throughout the rest of the week we will be talking about all things south carolina tennessee we just did our little and no taylor swift talk no taylor for the rest swift. of the week we're done for the rest of the week we did our five minutes we are so sorry to anybody whose day we ruined by talking about taylor swift this is the most sassy I've probably ever been on a GC Live, but graduate college and you're just like, whatever. I'm just going to have fun and talk about Taylor Swift on, on GC Live. It's a good time. Always a great time with you, Wes. Always a great time with all of our awesome listeners and subscribers that join us here on GC Live every single day. We appreciate each and every one of you. Be sure to listen to Wes every single day on 107.5 The Game. 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock for the GC Gamecock Central Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. He does a great job over there. Had to throw on the sponsor, of course. And then again, at Gamecock Central on social media, GamecockCentral.com. We will see you guys soon. Thank you for joining us. Have a lovely rest of your Monday, and we'll see you all later. Bye. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets.
Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York.